Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Say, before I dive into this week's topic, I want to make sure that you know that every week I do a news blast, a newsletter called Leading Thoughts. It is coaching by email for leaders. It's completely free. You can get it by going on stephenmansfield.tv and you can subscribe right there on the homepage. I also want you to know that I do a podcast for men. It's called Great Man. And by the way, I also do a thing we call the Digest, which is a newsletter just for men every week. And it also is free. And you can subscribe to that by logging on to greatman.tv. So the Leading Thoughts newsletter for leaders is on stephenmansfield.tv. The men's podcast, logically, is on greatman.tv. Get them. Pass them around. Use them. They're free. And we promise we aren't going to use your communication information to give it to anyone or do anything illicit with it. We just want to impact your life. Hey, you're going to hear a slightly somber tone in my voice as I do this week's podcast because I was really grieved by something that I imagine we all saw on the news this past week. You probably heard the recording or saw it aired on the different news networks of Donald Trump's sister talking about him in some of the most vile and critical terms I've ever heard. I got to tell you, as Bev and I sat there watching that and listening to her words, knowing especially that it was recorded secretly by Donald Trump's niece, um, I was unbelievably grieved. And I want to tell you why. I mean, part of the reason is that I've had some family strife in my life. I'm estranged uh, from someone in my family. And so families in contention, families not getting along, uh, lifetime strife within families just grieves me. And you know, it's partially personal and partially just a concern for other people. But I'll tell tell you the other thing that really bothered me. And that is that politics in this country has gotten down to the actual family dinner table. It's gotten between husband and wife. It's gotten between son and daughter. It's gotten between dad and son. I mean, it really has worked its way into the cracks and the crevices uh, in vital relationships. Now, let me take a moment to tell you why this bothers me so much. Our founding fathers were suspicious of government. They had come, obviously, from England where there was a monarchy and an overbearing parliament and that government, that part, that monarchy, that parliament worked its way, worked its authority into every area of life. I mean, you should go back and read about that era. People could be put to death for being on a road where they couldn't give an account for why they were there to the satisfaction of authorities. People were hung for killing a rabbit by the side of the road. I mean, government was intrusive in every way. So the topic of government, the fear of government, 
all of it was much on people's minds. And the founding fathers, even the ones who weren't born in England, but just lived as Englishmen in the new world, they were suspicious of that. They wanted limited government. They wanted government that wasn't the meaning of life. And by the way, when I speak of government, I also mean politics, anything related to government. They believed that other things were more important. This is so critical for us to remember. They wanted limited government, not only because of the governing factor, but because of the cultural factor. They didn't want people preoccupied with politics, preoccupied with government, preoccupied with the doings of the central authority. They believed that other things were more important, faith and family and relationships and culture and art. And, you know, all the, think about, think about the founding fathers. If you have visited Mount Vernon, if you have visited Monticello, these men were creative. They were involved in agriculture. They were, they were experimenting all the time. They were working, trying to develop new wines and new beer and, and working on art. And Jefferson was creating furniture and new kinds of clocks and all of that kind of thing. Now, I certainly understand that that was a slavery-based economy, and I'm certainly critical of that. But just for a moment, let's keep our eye on the ball of what I'm talking about, which is that these founding fathers, Washington, Jefferson, all of them, Witherspoon, I could go through the whole list, Franklin, etc., uh, Patrick Henry, all of them wanted a government that was contained because they believed that government could be good, but it could also be a cancer. And it could be a cancer on the important things of life. If it went too far, it could destroy religion. If it went too far, it could destroy family. If it went too far, it could destroy creativity. If it went too far, it could destroy the private ownership of property, which then gave rise to agriculture and art and all kinds of exploration and development. They were suspicious of government and they were suspicious of politics and the division that it could bring. So they worked hard to create a limited government. They knew there would be tensions. That's why they had a division of powers. That's why they allowed for things and established things like the veto. And that's why they had one part of government acting and another part of government holding the purse strings. All of this because they expected tension. They expected hassles, but they didn't want government to dominate uh, the entire society. They didn't want it to be, I'll use modern language, a socialist state. Now, they wouldn't have used that language at that time, but that's what they meant. They didn't want government totally in control, but they also didn't want government to be totally the topic, totally the working it so that every relationship is primarily political, so that you primarily think in terms of social class and gender and age and all the different classifications that we now think of people in terms of that then become politicized. Well, that is what I was thinking about when I was listening to Donald Trump's sister criticizing him. She has the right as his sister to be as critical of him as she wants to be. And I think you know, those of you who listen to this podcast on a regular basis, that I'm not bringing this up about Donald Trump uh, because I am a defender of his. I'm concerned about him. I'm suspicious of him. I think he's a mediocre president at best. Uh, I've talked about that by the hour, but I don't, that's not my topic now. You see, I'm looking around from where I sit and I'm seeing families that no longer get together for Thanksgiving because they've had political divisions. 
I, I know of families that are split right along the generational lines. The kids resent the parents so much because they're boomers and old school and voting their own benefits um, that the kids are, you know, basically separating from their parents. I know brothers and sisters that don't talk anymore because of politics because of policy, because of left and right and Trump and not right and Trump and Biden and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera. And I just, uh, my, some of you are going to say, well, Stephen, you're, you're recording the wrong podcast. You're, this is the podcast you do on public policy. It sounds like you're about to preach to us about ethical lessons. You should be on your other podcast for men. Well, I know exactly where I am. And I want to strongly urge both as a matter of policy and as a matter of heart that we begin to return to a bit of moderation. And this doesn't mean that you change what you believe. If you are if you are hard right politically, if you're hard left politically, okay, for the sake of this podcast and what I'm talking about right now, know your values, know what you believe. But the issue of how we conduct ourselves in the public square is vital right now. We have a cancer eating our society. The reality is that most governing, as I have said a thousand times on this podcast, happens somewhere near the middle. It happens somewhere in the realm of moderation. You don't govern on the extreme right. You don't govern on the extreme left. And by the way, you don't want us to. You don't really want us to. Some people anchor their arguments on those extremes because it's a debating point. It's a way to pull the discussion closer in their direction, but they don't really expect conclusions to happen on the edges at the wingnut level, so to speak. They know what happens in the middle. Every time we have a government shutdown over the budget, where does it get resolved? Somewhere in mediation, somewhere in the middle. And that's why I'm always saying I'm right of center. I'm slightly right of center. I, 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 I admit to being a moderate, not compromising my core moral values, but I believe in moderation. And I want to urge you to consider, I'm sitting here recording this between the Democratic National Convention and on the day that the Republican National Convention begins in 2020. And I think most of you know that I'm, I'm concerned and suspicious of both of them. I'm cautious about both of them. I'm not happy about either political candidate. And it's not just that Mansfield's stuck in the middle and can't make a decision. That's not the issue. The issue is I'm concerned about the cancer of the state in our generation. I'm concerned about the overbearing power of government and the sway it has in people's minds. I'm concerned about the fact that most people in America can't sit down and have a dang hamburger with somebody they disagree with politically. Now, I care about my politics. I'm fiery about my politics. I'm passionate about what I believe. And I've talked about that openly in this podcast. But that doesn't mean I can't hang with folks. I've sat with communists. I've sat with leftists. I've sat with hard right wing folks. I probably, I, I almost certainly would not have lunch with a member of the KKK. Don't think I'm nuts. But I'm saying in the work I do internationally, I sit with people in every kind of political stripe. We've got to develop a little bit of what Peggy Noonan called patriotic grace. We've got to develop an ability to at least have a dialogue, to at least discuss. Now, I realize politics has been radicalized, and I realize there are some hateful things happening, and I realize it's come from both parties and the White House and everything else. And I've sat and watched the, the White House Correspondents' Dinner and watched people just be trashed and ripped up. But I got to tell you, it was something about watching this brother-sister fight, which I'm sure has brought about a broken relationship, given how that family functions. Uh, this past week played out in the news with the niece being 
being the surreptitious recorder of the uh, of the words and i just i just began to realize you know if if we continue to allow politics to seep into our homes we'll be living out 1984 uh, we'll be living out the communist vision we'll be pitting generation against generation family member against family member over politics and ultimately, of course, it all resolves in the middle anyway, at least in the United States. And by the way, we should be grateful that it does. We should be grateful that ultimately, ultimately mediation and moderation still work in this country. So let me just share a little bit of my grief with you. Let me share the grief that I'm feeling. And yes, I'm a little bit of a sensitive soul, I admit it. But the grief that I'm feeling at the thought of the family that's not getting together for Christmas this year, because they can't get together without fighting over politics. I mean, literally, they have shouted about Trump and Biden and Harris and Pence and Obama and Michelle, and they've had huge fights where people stormed out on Christmas Day. Now, granted, that's a little bit of immaturity. It's a lot of immaturity. Still, it's happened. I'm grieved. I'm grieved about the family that no longer gets together for Thanksgiving because they can't conduct themselves civilly. I'm grieved about the father and son who haven't spoken for years not because because one's like a member of the KKK and the other is married to a black woman. I mean, I know of situations like that, but that's not the situation I'm talking about now. I'm just talking about them having a disagreement over policy, basic policy. They couldn't conduct themselves in such a way as to keep the family at going to a dinner, all designed, by the way, to give thanks to God. It goes on and on and on. So in this podcast, I want to raise the flag of caution and say, begin to work into your life if you haven't already. Again, what Peggy Noonan calls patriotic grace. Begin to work in the ability to converse with people you disagree with. They, they, they may have noble goals. Uh, you know, I've spoken to Kurds uh, who called me comrade and were absolutely acknowledged communists. And when you understood their history, you understood they weren't handed a Democratic Party or a Republican Party. They were handed a dictatorship or communists who were trying to achieve the closest thing they could conceive of freedom. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they were they were far left of me and far into the communist realm. But I understood their journey. I understood where they came from. I understood why they thought that way. And I still sat there and ate, by the way, some awesome <laughs> shawarma with them. All that to say, learn this in your life, please. If you listen to this podcast, obviously I'm a little bit of an influence, have a little bit of sway with you. We've got to recover ourselves, not just because Donald Trump and his sister don't get along. That's, that's not the issue. It was just symbolic to me of how families are tending to go. Faith, family, art, commerce, love, generations, creativity, inventiveness. These are the things of life. I love what George Will says. I think I've quoted it here. Nothing is as important in Washington, D.C. as everything in Washington, D.C. pretends to be. And it's true. I live in D.C. and I can tell you, I believe in government, governing. I believe in policy. Obviously, I do. 
but we are unleashing a cancer on our society. So yeah, be in your political party, hold your political views, that's fine. What I'm asking you is, who are you when you're not wearing political clothes? Who are you when you're sitting with somebody you disagree with? Can you be on campus? Can you be in your church? Can you be in your synagogue? Can you conduct yourself socially? Can you go on a date or a double date or a family outing or for heaven's sakes, a Thanksgiving meal without somehow having to break relationship because you disagree over politics? That used to be the greatness of America and we're in danger of losing it. My point is not to defend left or right. My point is to say we either recover patriotic grace or we will be governed and be fighting from the wings and it will destroy this country. It's time for us to learn how to agree to disagree. Now, that sounds like a second grade lesson, but it's absolutely true. So let's try to recover something that we've lost. Let's try to practice it in these next few months in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. And let's see if we can't be models of something greater in this great country. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.